Welcome to St. Paul. Welcome on this uh, Easter morning. It's uh, been a great day so far, and I hope that uh, this afternoon and the rest of this day is a day that, that you have the opportunity to spend with your loved ones, and uh, you have an opportunity to come together and, and celebrate what God is, is doing in your life. We're so grateful that you're here, and those that are visiting with us, thank you for coming. And uh, as Pastor Pam said a little bit earlier, we want to make sure that before you leave, that on your way out through the lobby to the right is our Connection Center. If you'll stop there, we have a, a small gift uh, of remembrance that, uh, that you're here with us today, and we want you to have that and to take that home. Well, I tell you what, life is full of surprises, isn't it? Anybody ever been surprised in their life? Yeah, of course we have. You know, years ago, uh, Patty and I took a trip to North Florida where my uh, Uncle Jim lives. And my dad was born in North Florida, so his brother still lives there. And, and we uh, decided we would tour the farm. And I was amazed about um, how large the farm was. He's a soybean farmer, uh, but he also had a lot of animals. He had uh, cows and he had uh, chickens and he had all sorts of livestock and things running around the farm. And, and while we were there, uh, he tricked Patty because he, he gave her this bucket of food and he, he filled it with feed and he told her to go stand in the middle of this um, uh, little uh, pasture area and just holler out, goaty, 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 goaty. And all of a sudden, it was like an avalanche, like thousands of little goats came running at her. And she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so she's feeding all these little goats. But, but there was this one that was just kind of out, this little black and white spotted one. And she fell in love with that little goat. And the whole time we were there, uh, that little goat just followed her around everywhere. And it was just so, so precious to watch that. And uh, so, you know, one of the things you do in the country is you come together for a meal, right? And uh, so we came together. There's nothing better than eating farm cooking because it's all fresh, fresh vegetables and, and the abundance. And nobody knows better than the farmer about the, the abundance of what God brings. And we enjoyed a, a fabulous meal and caught up on uh, their lives and our lives together and shared a bunch of stories. And later that night, uh, we were out uh, under the stars and we were just looking at this picture-perfect night, and he had a little bonfire that was going. And uh, we were just kind of reminiscing about how much we really enjoyed that day. And uh, Patty looks at my Aunt Linda and said, I really love the food today. You did a great job. What was that roasted meat that we had? And uh, <laughs> were you guys here earlier? So my, my, so my, my Uncle Jim, my Uncle Jim this, this is a true story. He looks at her. He says, do you remember that little black and white spotted goat you had earlier today? <laughs> Surprise. I mean, you know, like I said, life, life is full of surprises. Now, I want to I kind of fast forward, or I guess go back in time, because um, that first, okay, folks, give it up. I mean, you whined enough about it. I mean, come on. All right. <laughs> it probably wasn't that goat, okay? It's probably something bought at the supermarket. But, uh, you know, so uh, that morning, though, on Easter, the, the women actually had a huge surprise. And you can imagine, they, they go down to the tomb to prepare the body of Jesus for burial, so to speak. And, and as they go there, they, they see that the stone has been rolled away. And all of a sudden, there's these two men wearing white clothing, brilliant white, and, and they're just captivated. And they're surprised. And, and the words that uh, those two men say to that he is risen, he's not here. And the surprise that those women must have felt well, Luke records it this way uh, in his gospel in, in uh, chapter 24. Luke says, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, so that would have been what we call Easter Sunday, the women went to the tomb bringing the fragrant spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, 
They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, so the body is gone. And they didn't know what to make of this, so suddenly two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened, and they bowed their faces toward the, toward the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? That's very important. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he's been raised. It's like the, the Sunday school teacher who's gathered all the little children, and she's trying to tell them the story about the resurrection. And she brings them together and kind of breaks it down into language. And, and she said there were people that were mean to Jesus, and, and they, they were bullies to him, and, and they uh, put him on a cross, and he died on the cross for our, for our sins. And then they put Jesus in the tomb, and they sealed it up with a big stone. And she looks at her class and she says, what do you think Jesus said when he came out of the tomb? And it's one little girl's like, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. And she's like, what do you think Jesus said when he came out of the tomb? And the little girl says, he said, ta-da! <laughs> you know, there's something special about the empty tomb. I mean, Easter is, think about it, Easter is the best news of all. Easter means with God that the worst things are never the last things. Easter means that God has the last word. Easter means that God has conquered death. Easter means that God is the giver of life. Easter means that, that you can have the worst day of your life and God can come be with you and somehow change that so that you have a new beginning. And Easter means that no matter how dark you think your life is or all the problems that you confront every day of your life, Easter means that you can find healing. And I tell you what, today, I, I, like you, I, I say, boy, we really need that a lot today, don't we? I mean, you know, we struggle with so much um, in, in the world today. And, and as Christians, we want to believe in the miracle of Easter. But, but sometimes we get it confused and we think because the tomb was empty and because Jesus was raised from the dead, that the world is supposed to be perfect and everybody's happy. But folks, it doesn't work that way. I mean, every day we check our Facebook, we, we, we read our tweets, we watch the news, and we see so much stuff that's happening, bullying that's going on. We see you know, people getting mad at each other. We see threats of war. We see people that can't get along and all sorts of things. And as Christians, literally, it makes us to scream, what in the world is going on? And how can we believe in the glorious nature of the resurrection when the world is as bad as it is? But Easter is, is not the message about the life that's to come. It's not about the afterlife. Easter's message is about life now. And that's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is now. It's at hand. We live in the kingdom of God. It's not some future thing. And we don't need to wait until after death to explore and to discover the goodness of what each Easter brings to us. Because the truth is we can die spiritually while we're still alive here on earth. Our bodies can be functioning, we can be moving around like we normally do, and we can be so dead inside because spiritually, spiritually, we've been crushed. I mean, think about it. The alarm goes off at 5 a.m., and you get up begrudgingly, and you begin to think about, you know, your spirit's going down again. I mean, where's the resurrection when you wake up one day and nothing matters to you anymore? Where's the resurrection when you wake up and, and the people that you love uh, don't love you anymore? Where's the resurrection when all those people that said they were your friends who would never abandon you don't call you anymore, don't come by to see you anymore? Where's the resurrection when you're drowning in debt and you don't know what to do next? Where's the resurrection? Direction. And it becomes compounding in the problem. It, 
The resurrection is found in the words spoken to the women as they, as they came and saw this tomb was empty. And it was at that very moment, that first Easter morning, and we need to allow those same words to be spoken to us. And if you're someone who's here this morning and you're struggling with life, if you're someone here this morning and you're saying, I didn't ask for this situation in my life, but I got it. If there's someone here today who's saying that my life is just derailed for all the wrong reasons, then, then I want to tell you, if you will embrace the words that these women heard at the tomb, I guarantee you and I promise you that God will reveal a greater purpose in your life, that God will confront with you the challenges that you have. I promise you that God will be with you through all things. And what were those words? Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Say it with me. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Those are the words that we must herald this morning. And the good news is that Jesus is alive. He is not in the tomb. But a lot of us struggle with that. A lot of us look for life in all the wrong places. A lot of us define that we can only be happy in life if we do certain things or certain things happen to us. A lot of us think that the only way we can find happiness in life is through a whiskey bottle. Many of us feel like the only way we can find happiness in life is through drugs or, or through pills. Many of us feel like the only way we can find happiness in life is to go put our whole life on credit and buy all the things of the world only to lose our own soul. Many of us struggle with this and we find out that, that we cannot find what we're looking for. We are looking for life in the places of death. And the resurrection says, stop looking in the places of death. Because he is not there. And that is the promise of the message of Easter morning. We find our way into churches seeking something new. We find our ways drawn to the church because we believe that there is something different about life. That if we somehow connect with our faith, if we could somehow just imagine what that empty tomb was, if we could just see us with Jesus, we think that maybe life can bring hope and life can bring peace and life can bring joy. We want all the things that we believe we've been promised in life and we seek that and that's why we come to worship. But yet when we come to worship, we're still frustrated because all the, the status updates that we put on our Facebook, which are all lies, I'm sorry. We tell people we're doing great, that we've got life under control. But let me tell you, I, I talk to a lot of you and I know myself, we project to the world that we're good and we're okay, but we're dying inside. And we have to be real about this. We have to be real. And we have to let ourselves know the truth that without Christ in our life, we are nothing. Let me tell you something. This morning you've come to the right place. You haven't come to a rock concert even though we've got the best music. You haven't come to, to hear an inspiring message even though it probably will be okay. You haven't, you, haven't, you haven't come here today just to be seen in church. You've come here because you're seeking something. You're seeking a truth that has been eluding you, that has been evading you, something that you know that if I just find it, I can find a new meaning in life. You've come to the one place in the world where you can truthfully show 
um, that can truthfully show you the ways of life. You've come to the one place that, that can make a difference in your life. You've come to a place that can help you to find joy and peace and hope and love in all the complications of what life is because we teach you that where you find all of that is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the truth that we see. Jesus is our only hope. It's not the world, folks. Jesus is the only hope, and we can find love, and we can find grace, and we can find compassion in the arms of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we gather today, because we're reminded that when we come together as a people of God, there's something about being together that we explore and we find truth that as believers who don't have all the answers, but as we seek God, greater things will come. My dad taught me a couple of truths in life, and I've shared one of those with you in a sermon probably several years ago when he was a little boy, and he went to see the world's greatest whittler. And, and so he said to me, if you're ever dealing with a sharp knife, always cut away from yourself so that you don't get cut. The other great piece of advice that he gave me was, son, don't ever spit in the wind. <laughs> but, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice comes from the Bible itself. And it's in the Bible that we find the greatest life lesson. And that greatest life lesson is that our souls were made to soar. We were made to soar. We weren't made to be depressed people. We weren't made to be skeptics. We weren't made to be people that, that didn't have meaning or friendships or anything. We were made to soar in life. We were made to yearn for joy. We were made to yearn for greatness. But too often we get weighed down by the discouragements of life when things don't go our way, when our health collapses, when our finances tank, when our relationships spiral in the wrong direction, we begin to feel defeated. Why? Because we forget the truth of this day, that the tomb was empty, that Jesus is alive, and we need to remember the greatest greatness of God, that God is alive in all of us. When I was in seminary, I had to do a, a unit of what was called CPE, which is clinical practical education. And what that basically meant was that, that I was assigned to a hospital. I was assigned to Duke Medical Center. And, and I had to, to walk around and, and be a chaplain. I have so much affinity for our, my brothers and sisters, my colleagues who are chaplains in hospitals. And uh, CPE was an opportunity for, for me, the student, to be in tune with my own feelings that when I walk into traumatic situations or when I get into places where someone is struggling, how I can get into their pain, to deal with my own emotion, my own fears, and my own self-doubts, but to more importantly, to find where God is in the midst of all of that. And I remember when I was the uh, chaplain on call or, or there for 24 hours, I was the only chaplain in that medical center, huge medical center. And I got a call to go see a gentleman who, had, uh, uh, who was in a room. And I went there, and as I discovered his story before I went in, I found out the night before he had been, been binging on cocaine and alcohol. And he had been arrested for disorderly conduct. He had been arrested for illegal possession. And I walk into his hospital room, and he's handcuffed to the bed. And I go in and, and, and I tell him, I'm a chaplain, I'm here, uh, uh, may I pray for you, may I, uh, may I you know, be here and bring the presence of God in the midst with where you are. And he looks at me and he says, my whole life is ruined. He said, my wife hates me. She, he said, she's threatening to, to divorce me, to take my kids away because of what I've done, because of this, this um, uh, a habit that I have of doing drugs and alcohol. He said, I'm going to lose my job. And, and they're telling me I'm going to be going to jail for what I've done here. And I just looked at him. And, and what do you say to somebody like that? 
You know, they're, they're like at their lowest moment, and, and, and the Holy Spirit just moves within you to give you the words to say when you don't know what to say. And I looked at him and I said, well, it sounds to me like you've got nowhere to go but up now. And he looked at me like I was some kind of idiot. And he goes, what are you talking about? I just told you that I'm losing my wife, my family, my job. I'm going to go to jail. I've lost everything. And you're telling me that, that something good might come out of this? And I said, you know, as crazy as it sounds, perhaps God's got you exactly where you need to be at this very moment. And God is going to do something with your life. And God will show you a way to turn you around. This is why I believe that we have to talk about another story that happens in Luke 23 before we get to the empty tomb. It happens when Jesus is on the cross. And he's on the cross with two other thieves. And, and Luke tells us there's a thief on both sides, on either side of Jesus. We don't know what the thieves did, but what we know is that their crime was atrocious enough that it warranted them to get the death penalty. They were being crucified to death because of what they did. And both thieves are next to Jesus, and, and we have to enter into this conversation. We can't celebrate the empty tomb until we understand what's happening in that very moment. And one of the thieves looks, and he begins to mock and ridicule Jesus. Well, if you're really the Messiah, if you're the Son of God, then, then just jump off the cross and save us all. And the other thief looks, and he scolds the one. He says, what are you saying? He's done nothing wrong, meaning Jesus, but we, we're punished for our crimes justly. And then here's what Luke tells us, which is so important. Out of nowhere, the guy turns and he looks at Jesus, and he says these words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you that today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, this happens before the empty tomb. This happens before he's resurrected. This happens before he's alive. Jesus says to this man who has no life, who's at rock bottom, today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, sometimes as Christians, we get confused with that word paradise. We put the Greek understanding. The Greek understanding would be some ethereal place that's kind of like, you know, what we would think heaven to be, and, and it's out there, and there's like angels floating on clouds and playing harps and kind of silliness like that. That's not what he means by paradise. Jesus actually is implying the Persian view of paradise, which basically translates very specifically to the beautiful garden outside of the king's home. And if you think about that, it brings a huge meaning in. So, so we know that paradise is not afterlife. We know that paradise is now. Jesus is saying to the thief, today, now, you will be with me in paradise. We know that the psalmist says, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. Paradise in Easter's message is not after death. It has nothing to do, it has less to do with after we die and has more to do with now. Jesus said we live now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. We are now to experience the grace, the love, the peace, the joy, the outstanding nature of God now, today. Not wait until you die, but today. 
And the thief came to that important promise because Jesus said, thief, today you will be with me in paradise. When we realize that God is the only one who can give us life, only then will our life begin. For all here whose hopes and dreams have been dashed, let me tell you the truth. Jesus is alive, and his spirit promises to give you new life, and everything that you're looking for, everything that you feel is a void in your heart, you can find it in him. I promise you that. You can find it in him. The thief discovered that you don't have to wait until after you die to experience that. Today, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Resurrection. And he said to the thief, now. And you know what? No fooling. He meant every word.